Welcome to Federal Insights for September, modernizing government to deliver digital services, sponsored by Hughes Network Systems. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Tony Bardo, the Assistant Vice President of Government Solutions at Hughes Network Systems. Tony, good to have you on. Thanks, Tom. Let's talk about EIS and why that contract vehicle, which has many, many task orders to go from quite a number of agencies, is suited for transformation and not merely replacement of service for service as agencies go forward? Well, it's a great question, Tom, and happy to talk about it. Um, this is the fifth generation of the GSA network services contracts, uh, originally known as the Federal Telephone Service. And uh, it's come a long way from the private lines of the uh, uh, FTS service and uh, every one of these contracts offers the opportunity to, upon transitioning from one to the next, is the, uh, the, the idea of moving forward with the kind of technology that is available. And GSA has set this up very nicely. The timing is perfect for doing that now. Um, and so transformation is pretty, pretty important because transitioning from like to like um, or, or to like to like, it rather is, is just not going to get the agencies anywhere in terms of the needs they have for advanced services, advanced security, and advanced bandwidth. Yeah, let's talk about security a little bit because security is something they need to boost up. They do need more capacity, as you mentioned, for some of the services they're planning to deploy and transformation. How do those all tie together, this idea of, of capacity, security, transformation, and general better service for ultimately for the citizen? Well, the, the network that existed, the network services that existed in under the networks contract was the MPLS service. And these were typically characterized by dedicated access line lines, dedicated uh, uh, facilities uh, throughout the network and quite secure. At the same time, broadband was coming into play. The broadband services that you and I knew at, at home as DSL services then transformed into cable services and fiber services and so forth and brought much, much more capacity at an affordable price because the broadband services were shared across the internet. These were not terribly secure when they first started off. Um, the security in the broadband services has advanced to a high degree of, of capability. Now is offered in the form of uh, a network service called Defined Wide Area Network, SD-WAN. These services now offer the security of the MPLS services and the affordability of the broadband services upon which they are based. So it is, a, it is a great marriage right now between price performance and security by moving to SD-WAN. And let's talk about SD-WAN, Software Defied Wide Area Network. What, what is that and what does it mean and what does it do for you? It is a, a really a, a morphing of broadband services, managed broadband services, which Hughes introduced uh, in the, in the mid-2000s. And it was really a, a, an ability to get great bandwidth, greater bandwidth in the hands of users. At the time we were doing it um, in, in a major way with our commercial customers. We started bringing it into the government uh, um, at, a, at an early 
stage in the sort of late 2010s and and getting the the government the the used to the idea of using um more secure managed broadband services and with our with the contract that we signed with level three under the networks contract to bring broadband services to both an element of the USDA and of course the Department of Interior, it really started sinking in what these things were capable of doing. SD-WAN brings in another element of multiple path performances, uh, path diversity, uh, scaling and choosing the right path according to the uh, application that you're using, whether it's voice, whether it's data, whether it's video and so forth. So SD-WAN blends together the, the, the great elements of security, um, networking, smart networking, and delivers it in an affordable way to the agencies. It sounds like something that also interacts with the cloud and hybrid environments that people have nowadays for their infrastructure versus the early days of the networks contract. Well, the, the, the SD-WAN services and even managed broadband services are much more cloud friendly. They don't have all the overhead that the MPLS um, networks bring to the, brought to the table. Um, and therefore it, it, it moves traffic faster and enhances the user experience and ultimately the constituent experience. And if an agency wants to establish SD-WANs, software defined WANs, how do they go about doing that? Is that something they can do in house? Do they need some service to help that get established? Well, it was an, it was an interesting uh, conundrum, if you will, because uh, it was a timing issue when the network's contract was coming to a close and GSA was planning on the next generation, which became EIS, SD-WAN wasn't quite fully baked. Uh, and therefore, the, the contract at, it, at its initiation, EIS, I mean, uh, really was a like-for-like -like contract for the most part. But GSA recognized the need to add SD-WAN and has modded the contract and now made it available to agencies. So from a timing issue, it wasn't so, um, uh, such a great deal for the agencies that started off with their uh, fair opportunities a while ago. There are still many to go, of course, but it is, um, uh, and, and therefore those, those RFPs called for, those fair opportunities called for like-for-like -like transformation. So we, ha we have some catching up to do. Yeah, it sounds like the EIS itself, though, has been something of an adaptable mechanism as new technologies and new requirements come even before the whole thing turns into task orders and business, that GSA has been able to adapt it to changing requirements. And GSA does that every time they do these contracts, every 10 years that they do these contracts. Uh, they, they do a great job of that. And it's up to the, um, to the agencies now to take advantage of that. All right, good place to take a break. My guest today is Tony Bardo, the Assistant Vice President of Government Solutions at Hughes Network Systems. I'm your moderator, Tom Tem, and this discussion is Modernizing Government to Deliver Digital Services, sponsored by Hughes Network Systems here on Federal News Network. 
2020 has been a year of challenges, and yet government agencies are being called upon to deliver even more. More services, more applications, and more devices. The fastest way to meet this demand? By transforming your legacy infrastructure into a next-generation digital network. Learn more with Hughes' complimentary white paper, The Government Agency's Guide to Network Transformation. Visit our website at government.hughes.com WTOP to download your copy and see how Hughes can help transform your network to deliver more. Welcome back to our discussion, Modernizing Government to Deliver Digital Services, sponsored by Hughes Network Systems here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Tony Bardo. He's the Assistant Vice President of Government Solutions at Hughes Network Systems. I'm Tom Temin. And Tony, let's talk about managed broadband services. It used to be that, as you said, you bought telephone service and it, in it came and you dialed away and everything was great. Managed broadband services implies a new level of sophistication of those services and also the way that agencies have to manage them for their purposes. Tell us about that. Managed broadband services came about when, when it, in dealing with our commercial customers, um, they asked for an expansion of their satellite services from Hughes. And they, they asked, you know, this DSL service is starting to come around and be prolific and, and uh, looks like a pretty good deal. Can you guys provide DSL services? Hughes doesn't lay any, any cable in the ground or telephone lines in the ground. What we did was transform the ability to take the internet services of various types, DSL, cable, fiber, 4G, 3G, 4G, LTE, and use those services to deliver network capabilities to customers. And the managed broadband services meaning means adding devices, which Hughes developed, that offered more security than normal broadband services would do, and also offer the ability to, to look at the health of the network circuit by circuit, location by location, and understand what's going on with the network and advise the customer, routinely fix things remotely and so forth, and brought a new level of sophistication to the term broadband service. And so these, these services uh, grew in stature. Uh, we became a very, very large uh, managed services provider as ranked by the number of physical locations managed. So it, it became a service that many, many businesses across the country were starting to use and even across the world. And then in the 2007, 2008 period, we brought these services to the Department of Agriculture and they started using that with the Food Safety and Inspection Service. Later, a contract, a contract mod and fair opportunity late in the networks contract brought broadband services, managed broadband services to the Department of Interior when we teamed with level three. So it sounds like Hughes has a little bit of a different business model that it brings to this versus some of the other types of carriers in that you are almost an integrator of multiple services that presents a single face to the, to the government client. Exactly right. And what we do is we bring a multi-transport uh, capability using all the available services uh, that are out there that are available in government locations. We, we have tools that enable us to advise the customer, you have this many choices at this location, you choose, as opposed to it being a cookie cutter, here's your T1, here's your local flavor of T1, which looks like 
another location's flavor of T1. And so it really becomes more of a custom design network and service. I go back to the idea of the flexibility um, uh, and price performance of these services. A T1 averaged on the network's contract $400 per month. And it was a T1, 1.5 megabit service up, 1.5 megabit service down. Broadband offers so many different choices. And for instance, we were able to, at a very early stage, offer twice the T1 service, sometimes three and four times the T1 service for half the cost of that $400 T1. So Department of Interior was really, really smart in taking advantage of it. And, uh, and we can bring these services to uh, the network's contract and also its big brother, SD-WAN. And when you offer multiple pathways to bandwidth, can those be dynamically altered for cost purposes, for quality of service purposes, for performance requirements, such that the agency can get the performance it precisely needs, the bandwidth it precisely needs without having, with some efficiency, with respect to what the different services cost separately? It's a great question. And SD-WAN certainly brings that capability uh, to, to a certain extent, managed broadband did, but uh, SD-WAN brings it to a whole nother level and added adds the increased security, as we mentioned earlier. But the, the notion that when you have your voice and your data and your video on your SD-WAN network, your voice traffic needs to be delivered right away, needs to have that priority. And it doesn't matter if, if an email is a second late. Now, some supervisors would say, no, I, I can't tolerate that either. But the fact of the matter is, voice is first top priority. It's delivered on the medium that will deliver that without delay. Other traffic can take separate paths, can, can absorb delay and so forth and still get to its destination in a very reasonable period of time. And SD-WAN chooses those paths accordingly. And yes, there can be some uh, cost optimization factors involved in that as well. But delivery is the really important, delivery and security are really the important elements uh, that, that are offered out of SD-WAN. And is this something that agencies need to configure by hand or is that part of the managed service that this all becomes transparent the managed services really works in a way that in a fair opportunity world that, that we exist um, in, uh, in the federal government. The, it's tough to convey just what the enormous number of choices they are, there are for the customer. Uh, usually there's, there are the, there's the CLIN table that says, give me all these lines of this size and so forth uh, at this location. And in the broadband world, in the SD-WAN world, it, it's like, gosh, you're, you're limiting what we can show you, what we can do. And then it becomes, once you win the award and, and, and sit down at the table with the customer, you present the options here, and then you say, look what you can do. You can do far better than the T1. You can do, you know, you can do a, a really, use a really big cable line or a fiber line at this larger location. And for the two person, you know, service, a park service hut or the uh, USDA inspector and so forth, a DSL will do it 
backed up by a satellite um, um, shot because it might be in a challenged service area and you've got two paths, you've got more bandwidth than you ever had before and you probably saved money doing it. Now here's the interesting thing about what Department of Interior did a few, uh, few years ago. When they started saving all this money with the new unit prices from their broadband to convert their old T1s, they didn't write a check back to the Department of Treasury and say, look how much money I saved using broadband. What they did was they increased their broadband, they increased their bandwidth to their locations and all of a sudden their users were much happier, had much improved service, were able to do their jobs sure. better. All right, on that note, we'll take a short break. My guest today is Tony Bardo. He's the Assistant Vice President of Government Solutions at Hughes Network Systems. I'm Tom Temin. This discussion is Modernizing Government to Deliver Digital Services, sponsored by Hughes Network Systems here on Federal News Network. 2020 has been a year of challenges, and yet government agencies are being called upon to deliver even more. More services, more applications, and more devices. The fastest way to meet this demand? By transforming your legacy infrastructure into a next-generation digital network. Learn more with Hughes' complimentary white paper, The Government Agency's Guide to Network Transformation. Visit our website at government.hughes.com WTOP to download your copy and see how Hughes can help transform your network to deliver more. Welcome back to our discussion, Modernizing Government to Deliver Digital Services, sponsored by Hughes Network Systems here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Tony Bardo, the Assistant Vice President of Government Solutions at Hughes Network Systems. I'm Tom Temin. And Tony, we've covered a lot of ground moving to the SD-WAN managed service model for transforming your agency's networks and applications and delivery under the EIS contract, and that, that, that capacity is available to agencies. I guess the question is those that have not done their task orders yet have not really there for EIS and it's late and they don't have a lot of time before the old contracts run out. What should they be doing? How do you begin this process of planning, not just for bandwidth, but for transformation? Tom, for those who haven't um, issued their RFPs, their fair opportunities yet, I have a very uh, interesting answer because I think these these opportunities um, over time, um, they're over-designed, they're over-engineered. Let me tell you how many T1s I need at this location. Let me tell you how many T1s I need throughout the network. And the modern um, way of acquiring these services, the transformative way of acquiring these services is for an agency, a commercial customer, a large enterprise with multiple locations is to say, here are my locations. Here are my bandwidth needs. Here are my SLAs. Here's, here's how I want you to perform managing this network. And it's almost a blank canvas. Industry, you decide a design and a network configuration architecture for my agency, my organization and let me decide which one I like the best, which one suits my needs, as opposed to this very rote cookie cutter approach about here's what I need precisely. I've already designed the network for you. And that's, that's really no way to move forward, and particularly with how quickly uh, uh, technology is changing. Let the service provider, let these managed services provider, providers among 
which there are many good ones on this contract as prime contractors. They know how to do this. So to the ones have, that haven't gotten their documents out the door yet, that's a really good way and a fast way to quickly get out this statement of objectives and get a response. For those people who have issued the RFPs and they ask for like for like, and they haven't modified them yet, my suggestion is, my recommendation is, not quite start over, but put the brakes on, assess honestly that you've asked for some really, really old stuff and an older way of doing things and see where you can modify the RFP. Start at the edge, start using broadband and asking for broadband and, and these services at the very edge of the network. Those are where you can get the quick synergies. Because when you talk about network architecture and the services on the network, I mean, the purpose of a network is to run applications and move data and present services to either citizens or the agency's own users. So I guess one of the things that the agencies need to fold into this for the managed service providers to consider is the application environment and the application awareness that the network will eventually have. No question, no question. And that's why this set of services is the right way to go for this time. All right, and so uh, what's your best outlook for how agencies are at this point? I mean, we do know that about a third of the available task orders I think are operationalized. I mean, there's a long way to go on EIS. What are some of the deadlines and planning cycles and what should, be pe what should people be doing right now? An idea of, of putting the brakes on and recasting some of these, some portion of these older uh, fair opportunities that haven't been awarded yet, you could make a bad decision. You could make a decision of somebody who can do the network the old way and might not be best suited for your needs for the future. So putting on the brakes might mean uh, extending the deadlines and you know, nobody's gonna be really happy with that in the short term. But I think in the long term, uh, they get the networks that they want and can move forward with and grow grow with. I think that um, I think they'll be happier in the end. So I think, you know, I might be suggesting uh, a slower timetable than anybody has the appetite for, but I think it's, it's food for thought. See where you can change and, and adapt. Because this is something you're going to live with, presumably for quite some time. The and, next 12 uh, to 13 years. Yeah, right. And just a final question on to get back to the cloud element, because the peripheral of your network is a little bit more difficult to define than it was earlier because of the cloud inculcation into operations. And so can all of this managed service and design work take that into account, the shifting cloud situation? Well, it has to, because I think what we had not that long ago, all the applications you needed were on your desktop. And now you've got to go to the cloud to get to these applications. Um, you need more bandwidth just to do that. Never mind the increasing workload that you already had, the increasing bandwidth hunger and thirst that uh, that people had for more bandwidth but now you got to go get your applications every time so it's a it's a circle all right so i guess the word is hurry up but do it right anyway right <laughs> exactly right tony bardo is the assistant vice president of government solutions at hughes network systems i'm your moderator tom Temin. you're listening to federal news network 
For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Hughes. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights for September, sponsored by Hughes Network Systems on Federal News Network. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. I feel like I'm choking. Prevent your child's next asthma attack. Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor, because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council.